I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We are back with another great episode and another returning guest. So welcome back, Danny. Danny, our reg, our, 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 uh, what was the word I was going to say? Danny, our resident uh, rescuers fan. <laughs> there we go. Now, this was the one you like initially wanted to do. Yes. This is, you said this was your favorite Disney movie, Rescuers Down Under? Definitely up there. <laughs> That's that's so. What, what, did we we might have talked about this on Rescuers, but remind us why that is. Uh, so I love the setting first of all. I love the intro, um, and and the animation was beautiful, and the flying scenes were incredible. There's just there's so much to love about this one. <laughs> when when you say you love the setting, are you a big Australia fan? I mean, not not like crazy big, but I, but I do I do like when I know about it. I don't know a lot, to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, then you probably haven't hung around Ryan because <laughs> Ryan has so many Australia stories from I, when he went I, to college. I, yeah, I went to college at Curtin for six months. So I was living in Perth, um, which is on the Western, the Western side, the side that I think most people don't typically go to to vacation. Mm. Uh, but I loved it. I, you know, I, we just recently talked about like, when i don't know yeah but taking wh- a trip why there. was it was mm-hmm. we saw a modern family where they were in australia and yes. we were like they were on sydney you're like oh that looks great i'm like oh do you want to go i'd love to go back <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah so we were talking about like a daydreaming about a trip to, to so, for him to go back and yeah. for me to go i'm gonna be really annoying watching this after, <laughs> after we've seen it because i haven't seen this movie in a while i remember seeing it but when we come back from having watched it, I'm going to be like, oh, let me tell you, it's not exactly like Australia because blah, 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 blah. Um, I will say, like, the thing I remember, the, the I say this all the time, people think it's kind of weird, but maybe y'all get this. The, the thing I remember, one of the things I remember the most about Australia is the sky is so big. Like, I think it's mostly because it's everything's kind of flat and, like, wide open and there's not as big, tall build. Like, you go out in the outback. I just remember every day it was like all these beautiful clouds and it felt like this huge, much bigger than I see in like a big city or even around here sky. Like you can see all of it. That's wow. just, it, it's so a weird thing to say. it's funny that you say that because when I moved from the East Coast to here, that's how I felt. Yeah, well, I think that. <laughs> yeah, so you comparing here to there yeah. is, is, is interesting to me because for me, that's how I felt like the first couple of weeks we moved here. I just drove around and like would stop and just be like, oh my gosh. The sky goes on forever. Like you can see so much because it's flat. And I I was more in the rural areas, like when I was getting to know the area. So like outside of like the city limits, Mm -hmm. like the landscape changes so much out here. You also, not apropos of Australia, but when we first got here, like every time we drove anywhere, Tara was like, look at that cactus. I still take pictures. (laughs) Look at that cactus. I still take pictures of cacti. That's like not a normal thing to see. (laughs) 
for I mean, me. it is if you live out here, but yeah. like, I, it was just so funny to me because I saw you did it and I was like, oh yeah, that is weird. Yeah. And if you recall, any friends who come visit are all like from cactus. the East Coast all take pictures of them as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a similar thing. Like I have all these different perceptions of like kangaroos and things like mm-hmm. that because it's like things that were like norm when you're there. Like yeah, well, and you were there for six months. It wasn't like yes. you just like kind of took a vacation and came home, kind of a thing. But I would go back. I know everyone says the big thing about it is they're always everything there is trying to kill you, which is partially <laughs> true. But like you know, we only had you know my best friend broke his ankle. That was the worst it got. Nobody got nobody else died. So <laughs> well, that's nobody horrifying. else. <laughs> Yeah, nobody, nobody, yeah, nobody he's there. still alive he's as fine. well. He's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but do you want to go ahead and, and hit us up with a sure. synopsis? Or any yeah, I'll do the. I'll pull up the synopsis and then give like some facts here. Hold on. So it says the RAS agents, Miss Bianca and Bernard, race to Australia to save a little boy and a rare golden eagle from a murderous poacher. Can anybody remember the name of the eagle? Can you remember the name of the eagle? Oh God, no. no. It's. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's an abor it's a it's a Aboriginal Australian name kind of thing, but it is kind of like a very I don't know it's something it's it's I don't want to try and like guess what it is because it could be very offensive <laughs> if I'm way off. Yeah, we'll have to wait. Until but he after doesn't. We if I remember it. correctly, he doesn't talk in this. Like even though all the other animals in these worlds talk, the the they play the the eagle to kind yeah. of be this like majestic creature, like both to the animals and to the humans. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it was 1990 yes. was when it came out. It got a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and it was a sequel to The Rescuers, and it was originally based on the novels of Marjorie Sharp. I can't read my writing, it's, and I looked I, this up so long ago. I know. Also, it was the stuff we talked about in The Rescuers. Uh, yeah, so I didn't have a bunch of details about the novels. I was basically going to say, if you want to know more about that, go back to The Rescuers episode, because we did talk about that a little bit more. I don't even know episode. if this one specifically is based on anything from the novels. I didn't really look that up It either. just said it was based on the original novels. Yeah, when the I, characters yeah, were. But. Yeah, so, um, and the voices uh, are back is Bob Newhart, Eva Gabor. This was her final role. And John Candy. Yeah, John Candy as this one's. Is this one Wilver or is this one Orville? Oh, I this can't is, remember. Um, this is Orville was Jim Jordan. Yeah, so, so this is Wilbur. Okay. This is Wilbur. So basically, um, <laughs> and I love me some John Candy. So yeah, and we can we can talk about. I've got a fact here. They wanted all the original voices from the first film. So Jim Jordan, however, died two years before this came out, and right. so that's why they cast John Candy as his brother Wilbur. And I think we mentioned this in the rescuers episode it's the reference to the wright brothers yes. yeah so that's and kind of where those names come from the uh leader of the the chairman is also still the same voice too bernard <laughs> bernard fox the chairman of the rescue yeah society. they really wanted to use all the same voices and so what i found interesting was a third movie was planned for 1996 and Eva Gabor passes in 1995 and John Candy passes away in 1994. And so they scrapped the rest of the movies because they didn't want to recast those voices. Hmm. So I found that interesting as well. They decided to not do a third one, but there was a third one kind of in the works that was being talked about. Um, When it opened, I know we talked about. You missed another famous voice. George C. Scott was McLeach. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like yes. Patton and mm-hmm. Doctor Strange love like very famous actor. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. I have strange a lot of McLeach like, facts, but yeah, I, I have Is 
is McLeach Australian? Because I was when I was watching the making of every time he spoke, and again, it's been a long time since I've seen this one. He just sounded like George C. Scott being like, "I'm an Australian. Here well, I am, an Australian." <laughs> the only actual Australian voice in the film is Jake, is Tristan Rogers. Yes. No one else is Australian in the movie. Well, so even if they yeah. use, I don't know if anyone uses an Australian accent, but he's the only one who is an actual Australian. Um, I know we always talk about the top movies. I just have a a fact about the film that opened the same weekend as this did. It's Mm. one of our absolute favorites come Christmas time. Home Alone opened the same weekend as this film, and Home Alone grossed 10 times what Rescuers did. (laughs) So just to kind of put that in perspective, like... (laughs) Home Alone was number two that year. The top three were Ghost, Home Alone, and Pretty Woman. Mm, And I was just going off the opening weekend numbers, (laughs) but yeah. Well, yeah, this is just... uh, 1990 seems to be a a pretty solid Terra top three there. (laughs) Yes, that is is a solid top three for sure. Um... So uh, we've mentioned the Sleeping Beauty documentary in some other episodes and definitely recommend you checking that out uh, because we've talked about some of what they mention on there. Um, And what I'm going to talk about next is mentioned on that documentary as well. This was the first 100% digital feature film ever made using the CAPS production system. And it was- What does CAPS stand for? Do you remember? Um, I've got it. I found it. Yes. Okay, yeah, I don't know that I wrote that down. The computer animation production system. It's thank you. But it's the first Disney collaboration with Pixar, and it was developed oh. for this film. So yes. it was specifically developed for the Rescuers Down Under. But yeah, this is how Pixar and Disney come to be together. And it's the system they use for like compositing scenes and inking a lot of the stuff. They're starting to use digital systems to ink. The, the the pictures and everything so that's part of the reason why i think this animation looks so good is mm. they're still using the hand-drawn method but they're using computers to speed up the system which they had to do because this was when they were releasing like one movie from walt disney a year it was yeah. Like, yeah well and they I, I read that they cut production time for an animated movie by at least six months Wow. using this system and so some of the facts that were mentioned in waking sleeping beauty um it was a 10 million dollar estimate on this system to like have it function and work we mentioned that it was pixar that they went to and they attempted to make this feature film before making a short so they really didn't test it out they just kind of dove in and were like okay we're gonna make a feature film which is kind of really risky yeah because they're spending a lot of money on the animation system and like the, the production system. And if it didn't work, um, not only were they out a lot of money, but then like they would have had to like scramble. It worked, but they wound up pulling all the advertising for this movie because they felt it didn't work. Even though it did. That that was a fact in Waking Sleeping Beauty. Like after it came out, they just started pulling the advertising because it didn't it wasn't as successful as I think they thought it was gonna be. They started just like abandoning it after it came out, which I think is so strange. But I think they were also focusing on Little Mermaid. Oh no, that was before this. So maybe that's what they were comparing it to, I guess. I don't really know. Little Mermaid was such a a a, was you know, a top 10 movie that year. And then this didn't do that. Yeah. So they I don't also know if we're they, selling it, was... it, this cap system. Like they literally went in they're like, this is going to cost a lot. And we're probably not going to like recoup that. We're money. Not gonna re- like this is money that you're not going to see an immediate return on. Like yeah. they were trying. Cause if you watch waking sleeping beauty, it's such regardless of this being the, the, the like 
artistic renaissance of Disney. It is also a business renaissance where they 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 there's a lot of thought put into the how merchandise we market stuff, and the brand. Stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. the brand the brand and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Getting it into the parks, that sort of thing. So I think this was a concerted effort of it's not making as much money. Dump marketing, dump this, like let's move on to the next thing. We've got Beauty and the Beast coming out. Yeah. Or maybe there's something else in between there. Um, the, the other thing to kind of note with this is I saw that I think you'll find interesting, Danny, is there's a lot of different, because of this cap system and then a lot of other experimentation they were doing, there's a, one of the big things they're looking at is the, the reflection of light and, and diffuse lighting mm-hmm. in this. And the, the example they use is there's a scene where Bernard and, oh, what's her name? Not Eva Gabor. Bianca. Bianca, Bianca are like, <laughs> they're having, yeah, they're having dinner at like on the Eiffel Tower, maybe? Like there, there's something where they're having dinner and there's like a candlelight thing. So watch there because you'll see it's not these hard lines of the movie anymore. It's starting to kind of fade and, and be lit differently. Yeah. And that's something you see with this era. Like they're learning it here. Mm. The, I found this fact interesting. Uh, it was Disney's first theatrical animated sequel. So it was mm-hmm. the first animated sequel to be in the theater. Uh, others include, others that appeared in the theater include Fantasia 2000, which came out in 1999. Return to Neverland, 2002. That came out in theaters? Yeah. Wow. I think I saw it in theaters. That's interesting because it's not on our list. I don't think it's Walt Disney Animation. It's probably one of that their... Might, yeah, but they're, but they're it including it in a theatrical yeah, yeah, trailer okay. or a sequel. Um, Jungle Book 2, 2003, apparently came out in <laughs> yeah. theaters. Uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet in 2018. So if you notice, they then skipped because I, I can't imagine Jungle Book 2 was super successful. Maybe it was. I don't know. But um, then Ralph Breaks the Internet in 2018 and then Frozen 2, which mm-hmm. was also very successful in 2019. So the rest of the sequels have gone straight to video. So those are the ones that have been in the theater. Uh, going back a little bit to, to this being this the, the, the Australia of it all. So this kind of movie came out a little bit because of something uh, called Ozploitation, which was kind of big in the 80s, where like because of Crocodile Dundee mm. and Mad Max and movies like that that were made, there was this weird explosion of Australia cinema and this this interest in Australia in the 80s in America. Um, there's a great documentary that I can't recommend to children. Um, it's because it's about Ozploitation. It's like literally broken up into like blood and guts nudie movies monster movies but i have it somewhere it's called uh not quite hollywood i believe and uh it's it's great and it's a whole big thing about it and it's like quentin tarantino's in it and like george miller director of mad max and things like that so it's all about that sort of thing and this came as kind of a direct uh result of that and in order to kind of get the idea they a bunch of the animators spent two weeks in australia And they were quoted as saying it was like being on Mars, which as someone who's been there, I can, if you go to places where the dirt is red, it does feel like a different planet. Um, (laughs) It's also weird because like you go out to the the bush and it's like nothing there is older than about five years because it's so flat and then things grow and then lightning hits it and it's all dry. So then like huge areas burn down and then like you'll go to a spot where it looks like, oh, these trees have been in the ground with like their ash, they're burnt, but like no one's touched them in forever however long so it's really interesting and then when they came back they ended up going to the san diego zoo for more reference Mm. um i also wanted to point out something that uh tara knows but this is something that really bugs me as a as a once native australian (laughs) 
Um, but they, they're in the video they were showing with the thing, they, sh- they immediately cut to a kookaburra, and then the kookaburra did its noise, which, have you ever heard of kookaburra? I think only in, like, a documentary. Right, so it's like the laughing, like, ah! But it's a noise you will hear in every movie that takes place in any jungle from 19, like, 80 to, like, 2003. And it drives me insane because they're like in the deepest, darkest jungles of India, India. And then a kookaburra goes up and I'm like, that doesn't live. It's it's makes me so angry. So I will put a kookaburra noise on the Facebook page and ruin movies with jungles for the rest of you. Like they've been ruined for me. It drives me nuts. Listeners, he has told me about this. It has not ruined it for me. Because I feel like I don't just, I don't 100% pick up on it. I think that's why. Well, when we see a movie with it in the jungle, like, I think I think the last time I saw it was in the live action Jungle Book we listened to. Oh, and I'm like, that's yes. not India! Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I've got a few fun facts, and I've got some things about McLeish that I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, the voice of the nurse mouse was also the voice of Minnie Mouse, Rusty Taylor. Oh, no kidding. Oh. Yeah. So the voice that was of fun. a character named Krebs. I don't know who that is, but it is the voice of the Sultan. Oh, in Aladdin? Uh, Douglas Seal. He's also cool. uh, plays Santa Claus in Ernest Saves Christmas, which you'll never let me <laughs> oh watch gosh. during Christmas. All the Ernest movies. But I'm just saying. Uh, Ernest, is, Ernest P. Whirl is an American treasure. Uh, I've seen And this. a Disney hero. He's going to be Slinky Dog in Toy Story. Oh, he's he is? He's going to be a friend of the podcast. Interesting. I have seen some of the Ernest films. I think I made you watch Ernest Scared Stupid. I love Eartha Kitt's role in that film. Yes. But, uh, so, talking about the Renaissance, this film and Tarzan are the only films during what they call this Disney Renaissance period to not be considered musicals. Mm. And it's the sixth Disney animated feature to not be a musical. So we talk about that a little bit more um, in the Little Mermaid episode going about how they start focusing on musicals and kind of how it helps build the structure uh, within the film and the story and I think can strengthen it. So it'll be interesting to kind of view that through this lens because we kind of felt that way with Oliver and company like there was music in Oliver and company Mm -hmm. but um I don't know did you agree with that Ryan like you felt like it didn't have as much structure Oliver and company I think I think felt like a musical more than other things but like yeah I think it felt like a musical but the the structure of like the story I feel like well, we talk a lot about that in the little in the Little Mermaid. That's I think, what I, I just think Howard said, yeah. Ashman, yeah, who's the one who comes up to that. Sorry, I was looking at. I apologize if I. That's if okay. I was a you out. can edit that out if you don't think it. No, just because I, I just want. I just want to tell you that because I was. I was. I'm looking so forward to this game I've come up with that we're going to play before the before we go on to the movie. So, but go ahead. Well, let's let's finish. Okay. This oh, so you're just tuning me out. No, no I was preparing. <laughs> okay. Um, something nice. to look out for. Apparently there's an old Apple keyboard when the mice are in the Marshall Islands and they receive a message about the abduction. So keep a lookout for an old <laughs> Apple keyboard. Uh, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about Mr. McLeish. Again, I have those villain books. I think it's McLeach. Is it McLeach? Like a C-H. Oh, uh, I've got some info from some of those villain books. Uh, and from the Frank and Ollie villain book, 
They say that he serves as the inspiration for Gaston, Governor Ratcliffe from Pocahontas, Clayton from Tarzan, and Commander Warwick from Atlantis. Interesting. So I so it'll just be interesting as we see each of those films, like if we agree or disagree with that. No one, no <laughs> one is the the Gaston broke the mold. Okay, I know he is your absolute favorite. Um, they did base. Uh, his appearance off the sketches of George C. Scott while he was recording the voice. Uh, And they said that they also drew, he was drawn like his car, so hard and tough with sharp angles, Mm. uh, but difficult to design for fluid animation. So the lead animator, Duncan, I don't know if this is his, if I'm going to say his last name right, Marjorie Banks, it's like all one word. He asked George to give insight on what attracted him to the part and instead of George answering, he said, the money. I have three ex-wives to support, you know. See, that sounds very George C. Scott. Yeah. And so it was like this animator thought he was going to get like this really insightful answer. And like that was what he said as response. Uh, also, his car, his desert vehicle, is said to be the most villainous character in the film. Uh, impossible to hand draw. Tedious to construct on the computer, but easy to move in any direction afterward. So I thought that that was kind of interesting Mm. to think about it in those terms, since this was the first time they used computer animation. That, like, what was difficult also made it easier in some aspects. Hmm. So So are you guys ready for this game? I know. You're you're ready for it. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw... One of the things I do remember a lot from when I went to Australia, one of the reasons I chose it for... Um, study abroad was oh they're an English speaking country this will be easy and what I learned very quickly is although I looked at them and said I understand you're speaking my language I have no idea what you're saying <laughs> and a lot of that has to do with there's a lot of Australian slang uh, so I'm gonna throw some Australian slang at you and you guys tell me what you think it means okay <laughs> okay so do we get any like multiple choice or we just have to go with like a what? gut answer there's Listen, this isn't, this is, game is, is a loose, <laughs> oh, like, okay. it's, All right, there's right, no, right. no award will be given. It's just something funny. <laughs> okay. We'll start easy. You guys know Barbie. Oh, like, like barbecue. Grill? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a barbecue grill. Um, uh, a roux. Kangaroo? Yes. Oh, okay. I was thinking like a roux you make for a saw. <laughs> no, like R-O-O, like a roux. Um, so let's try some other harder ones. Do any of you know what a bottle-o is? A bottle-o? Bottle-o. A bottle? So, so... Can you give me a Another hint? word for a liquor store in Australia is a bottle shop. So they oh. refer it to the bottle-o. We're going to head out to the bottle-o. Oh. And then you get a beer, and one of the things you may put your beer in is a stubby holder. <laughs> Cup holder? No, a koozie. A koozie. So a koozie is a stubby holder. Yeah, Why don't you and... Little... I don't know if we should say his name. Why don't you and your best friend Blake, call it that? A stubby holder? Yeah. I don't know if we ever called that. I know stubbies because they'll have little short bomber bottles. And so that's kind of what they Like a red stripe bottle? <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. Huh. Uh, you were talking a little bit about something like this. Do either of you know what a ute is? Oh, man. U-T-E. Oh. And it's not ute from my cousin from Vinny. My cousin That's Vinny. exactly what I thought. The two utes. Um, a ute. And we were just talking about this. Mm-hmm. Ute. It has nothing to do with a kookaburra. No, it has nothing to do with a kookaburra. Is it an instrument? 
No, it's another word for like a pickup truck or a oh, utility God. vehicle. Oh, a utility vehicle. <laughs> Speaking of instruments, Ryan has a didgeridoo from Australia. I, I can get it working. Oh, man. Oh. Um, Prime content. One thing you might have on your ute is a, is a rhubar. You guys know what a rhubar is? Is that a roll bar or like the thing? So the kangaroos. It's like a don't cattle. Like, it's like yeah. a cattle catcher, but it's okay. for kangaroos. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like you've told me that one. Let me see if. Well, you... and that's like what's on Outback, like car, like a Subaru Outback. Like if it's all like geared up, I feel like they have a version <laughs> with that on yes. the front. Well, if you're in your Ute and you're heading out to the Bottle O uh, to pick up some beer, you might want an Esky. An esky? An esky. On the way to the bar? No, to the bottle the bottle shop, to pick oh. up some beer so you can go drink. I have no oh, idea. An, esky. an ID? Uh, think Eskimo. Ice? Ice? Cooler. Oh. Oh, oh because it's going to be too hot to... I feel like Texans can relate to that depending on how close you live to the grocery it's store. true. Um, <laughs> I don't remember hearing anyone say Ripper, but I think they do So say- all these other ones you've heard? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Ripper... Yeah, oh yeah, we we we'd head out to the bottle all the time. Huh. When I was there. And we, we saw we utes we saw utes with rhubarbs. So when you came back, did you use some of that slang to refer no. to things or no? Well, maybe like know. amongst people I had lived with. No, I didn't know if maybe like you got used to calling it that and then you came back and did you like I slip? said she, Do you so see what I, I'm saying? So they'll say she'll be right, which is like it's all good. Like so mm. I said that a lot or how how you going's another one. They said of like how are you doing? It's like hi, how you going? Yeah, I feel like it's like y'all. My family yeah. makes fun of me for the fact that I've adopted y'all into my language. Ripper is really great. So, oh, it's Ripper. Mm. Uh, fair Dinkum is, and I, this is one that I didn't hear a lot, but I've actually heard Hugh Jackman say it in an interview. Fair once. Dinkum. Fair Dinkum. If like, so like, if I say like, hey, you know, something, something, and then you come back with like whatever, Fair Dinkum's like, oh yeah, okay, true. Like, okay. oh, Fair Dinkum. Like, yeah, like it's like that. <laughs> Um, Chockers is very full, like something maybe Chocoblock or something. Like, oh, that place is, you don't want to go to that bar, it's Chocoblocka. Bogans, which is another one, which is an Australian redneck. Bogans? <laughs> yes, and I got confused for a bogan a lot because it was so hot there. I'd wear shorts and flip-flops and like a undershirt and a big floppy hat. And I'd walk around like that and they'd be like, and someone would go, hey, do you know where something is? Didn't and I'd, you? I'd turn around and I'd speak in a regular American accent. People would go, Whoa. Like, like, we thought you were from here. Didn't you have corks on the end of your hat? I did not do that, but that's another very bogan thing. You have lines with corks on the brim of your hat, so when you move around, they move because it makes the flies go away. Because <laughs> that's one thing out in the outback, there's yeah. a lot of flies. I think that's, there's some other ones in here, but like, mozzie is a mosquito. I don't remember hearing that. Uh, there's some on here I can't say on this podcast. Sicky, you can pull a sicky. What's okay? So use it in context. Uh, I didn't want to go to work this week, so I pulled a sicky. Oh, like a sick day yeah. you called out. Okay, that uh, one makes sense. Slab, slab is a twenty-four pack of beer. Uh, <laughs> togs are a swimsuit. I remember that. Uh, and I do remember whinge. Whinge is to to whine. Was like, ah, quit your whinging. Like some of them, I get. There's a yeah. couple that like to but me are nonsensical. But... Imagine you're like day three in the country. I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna yeah. grab. Hop in the Ute, grab an esky, head down to the ballo, and I'm like, I know what you're saying is is English, m- the language I speak. Yeah. But for some reason, it was infuriating. I spent a month before then going around uh, Asia, and at least in Asia, I could go, 
that's a language I don't know and like kind of like <laughs> click sure. off in my yeah, brain. Not yeah. click off but go, oh, I'm not going to understand that. Whereas mm-hmm. Aus- Australian, I was like, there are some words I know coming out of your mouth. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so was that was that good? Do we like that I was game? good. I liked the <laughs> game. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Learned a little something. Okay, well, uh, I think we're good. Uh, Danny, do you have anything else you want to kind of throw in here before we start the movie? I'm excited to watch the movie again. I am too. I haven't seen this one enough. I think I saw this one uh, like right when it came out on video. This is another one where I think I've seen it, but I'll know once I actually watch it. But it's it's not one that I watched a lot. I'm pretty sure this was a blockbuster rental for me. And for those of you out there who don't know what blockbuster is, ask your parents. Oh, what a sad, <laughs> what a sad statement. So. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to get the uh, VHS out of the clamshell and stick it in the VCR. All right, see you on the other side, listeners. That's right, listeners. We're back. You're not in the outback. You're here with us. <laughs> I figured out. I remembered how to play the didgeridoo during the movie. You're welcome. <laughs> so, what you guys think? Let's let's start with. Well, you you just took a big breath, like you have a thought. So, go ahead. <laughs> So I definitely did see it because remember I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I had or not because I remember Joanna who is Your my favorite. favorite. I laughed so much at her. <laughs> um, I really liked it, but the thing like I enjoyed it, but the thing that like is kind of intense about both of these movies, and we kind of said it throughout, and Danny worded it in a really good way, is they put children in like real life, like seriously dangerous. Oh, like real the bad danger. guys are going to murder. The yeah, yeah, like like it's movies. high yeah. stakes and like real life danger, and so that like makes me a little bit like I don't know how often I'd watch this. I would just watch clips of Joanna though, just to make me laugh. <laughs> well, I, I, let's let's hear Danny's opinion. I did, like you seem to be loving it. You're yeah, like, oh, I I, I really did. <laughs> yeah, I I loved it. Uh, I loved it when I first saw it as a kid. I you know as an adult now, and it's it's different because I see the the danger that the children go through in a completely different way from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids being in danger is definitely a drawback, I feel like, to the movies. And I think it's it's something that people should be aware of. But overall, I, I love the movie. <laughs> I, 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 this is going to sound really bad, but let me keep with it. I, the, the child endangerment for some reason didn't bother me. Like, I don't know if I wasn't like... Did it bother attached. you in the first one I with Medusa like it, and I, the I, little girl? I think I was a little more attached to Penny. What was her yeah. name? A little more than Cody. Um, well, we also see her in an orphanage. She has yeah. kind of a sadder story. Yeah. I, Cody I, seems very happy and adventurous, like, out in the outback. Mm-hmm. Like, he seems like he's comfortable in his element. But there was a lot of gun stuff, and I, you know, we'll, I, well, I guess we'll talk about that at the end. <laughs> but I, I also don't want to sit here, and I know you love the movie, Danny, and I actually <laughs> really liked it. I really enjoyed but it's it, yeah. also hard watching it. Right at the tail end of The Little Mermaid. We did just finish Little Mermaid, the, yeah. The Little Mermaid episode hasn't come out for you, mm-hmm. Danny, but it is two and a half hours of us 
gushing on the little mermaid. <laughs> Obsessing, Obsessing over everything. Yeah. And, you know, My energy is wild. Yeah, watching everything <laughs> to this point, the little mermaid just is firing on all, all cylinders. Yeah. I think this movie is gorgeous. I do yeah, not remember it's, it being It's like, really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's I think it, it's it looks I think the animation, the characterization of Joanna is on par with anything in the little mermaid like it's her <laughs> hair like there is a study there where they're nailing the, the character looking like a lizard and like you said it 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 it, it jumps a line of frightening and hilarious mm-hmm. i was laughing out loud at joanne yes. yeah and part of that is i was laughing more at this in the little mermaid because i know the little mermaid and this one like was more surprised yeah seen it well and you need it we'll talk about this probably more in depth when we get to the villain, but you needed Joanna because he's so intense. Mm-hmm. Yes. You needed her when she was funny. You needed her. Yeah. And it's weird because I think he was supposed to be funny. There were like, times, he, yeah. He's laughing throughout. Now he's maniacal, but I don't know. Like, I think he's supposed to be a little funnier, but like <laughs> the humor is dark. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I, I think the movie, like, I think if this movie had come out before Little Mermaid, it might have done a little better. Uh, you think it was a lot of direct comparison? Because that yeah. movie is a Disney and cinema classic. And it won Oscars. And, and, and yeah, this movie is not. But there's a lot of stuff in this movie visually. I, I think the problems with this one was a little bit storytelling wise. I think I liked the first rescue. Because that's the other thing. You're also comparing it to another movie directly. Mm, I think in the true. first Rescuers, they got to Penny and it felt like Penny and, Bian- and Bianca and Bernard were working together through most of the movie. And this movie, they only all really kind of hook up at the end. And mm-hmm. you don't even see Bianca and Bernard for a long time. Like, you're kind of in an end, end media res with Penny where she sends the note, you meet Bernard and Bianca, and then it goes back and kind of tells you what happened to Penny. Mm-hmm. Like, it's part of a mystery. Whereas in this one, it's you see all of it. And then you see a little bit of the rescuers, and then it's back to them. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like the pacing was as good. That's but, a, that's like a good I point. Said, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I, like I said, I feel really bad having you on here and being like <laughs> nitpicking. But I feel like if I actually didn't like the movie, I wouldn't nitpick it as much. Yeah, like, yeah, I would. Agree it's with right that. in that that spot where, that I like for movies. Mm-hmm. Like, what did it have? A seventy on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I I'd, would put it more at an eighty. I'd put it at a higher percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think it's it's. Like, there is so much stuff here that's like I really liked what they were doing, and I and you know I also was like, the the one thing that I will say that I absolutely did not like about the movie is McLeach was from like Tennessee <laughs> and Cody was from like New York. Like I, I don't know, they weren't from Australia. They lived yeah. in Australia, but they're like, hey, Matahute, it's me, Cody. Yeah, I'm McLeach, and I'm like, well, they couldn't do an Australian accent like that. Bugged me out. Yeah, but everything else, like. If you haven't seen this one in a while, or you haven't seen it, before we get to it, I'm going to say, I think this one's worth a, a rewatch. I agree. Yeah, I think it is worth a rewatch. What? And I think especially also from the um, aspect of what they did with computer animation and just oh, visually, yeah. Yeah. how interesting it is. And Danny mentioned this at the start, that it would be cool to watch this in IMAX because of yeah. a lot of the shots, and especially from the beginning. The opening is so cool because you open up on the brush, on the bush, excuse me. Yeah, I said brush. Well, <laughs> that's one thing I want to ask. What is what are they flying through? Because it looked like cotton, and I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> not cotton in Australia. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they're flying through, but I really liked the, it was the a, visual. It, mm-hmm. it, it gets you into this movie as like an adventure movie. It's just a quick rush with all these, I'm assuming, computer-generated 
like grass or something coming at you. Too. Yeah. Well, and if, if you re- remember the opening, it's slow because you're you're zooming in on bugs and then all of a sudden oh, the yeah, music yeah. picks up and then it's like you're jump you like jump into it and we loved it's this brass opening and the French horns are doing like these crazy runs but the trombone (laughs) all the brass um are doing like really interesting uh it's a really interesting instrumentation Mm -hmm. and it's like really exciting and then like the title sequence comes up so it kind of gets you involved from moment one once that music picks up and those visuals of you kind of flying over the outback um, and then we see a house alone in the wilderness. And then that's when the didgeridoo happened and Ryan got super pumped because that came in. Uh, and we see Cody trying to sneak out. So you can kind of see that he's pretty adventurous. I mean, he lives in the middle of nowhere in the outback. So I'm sure he has to entertain well, himself a lot of the time. In Australia, it's like 85% of the um, population lives on 18% of the land. Oh, and so like, the rest is no uninhabited. No one lives in the middle. Like, Got it. It's, the closer you get to the middle, the closer you get to just dying because it's so hot. Mm. And it's like, you know, and there's lives nothing on the there. Coast, and then, yeah. So, like, that's why you have those. Every Australian movie, it's like if people, they live kind of in the outback and it'll be no one for miles. Got it. So, when he tries to sneak out, there's these little birds that fly and they make the sound, and that's the kookaburra. They're kookaburras. like these brown birds, <laughs> kookaburras. They, they sound like laughing because I think the legend was the kookaburra laughs at you and it drives you Oh, insane. and that's that song. <laughs> laugh, kookaburra, yes. laugh. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then we saw the wa- the wombats, and that made me write something down. Did you get to pet or hold a wombat yes, while you were uh, there? There's a picture of me somewhere I have to find holding a wombat, and I have, it goes uh, like wedding. And then wombat is like real close under that. <laughs> like holding that wombat. What about lady? And getting lady too. Um, but like I, the look on my face is just pure joy. Like, yeah, I love wombats. They're so weird, and I, I just love them. They're my favorite of the Australian animals. Uh, so then we see a roo. Use some terminology. Uh, and the roo talks about the golden eagle. Marahute? Marahute, I think. Marahute, right, yeah. uh, who's been caught in a trap. And golden Eagles, also the uh, East Coast Golden Eagles, are the Australian Football League team for, I believe, kind of the Sydney area. Anyway, oh. Um, I'm a Fremantle Dockers fan myself. I don't even know if they exist anymore, but they were there when I was there. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about the Golden Eagle, and Danny was mentioning, wondering if it was Glenn Keane. It was. So Glenn Keane was the lead animator for the Eagle. And I've got, I looked up a couple things. Hold on, let me bring it back up. Uh, He studied six Eagles residing in the, somewhere in Boise, Idaho. (laughs) Uh, A peregrine fund in Boise, Idaho, as well as a stuffed American Eagle loaned from the Los Angeles Museum of Natural History. Yes, they put a stuffed eagle in his office and he remarked it kind of how weird it was. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was always over him like... (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also an eagle skeleton he looked at too, Mm. so... I thought Marahute was really well animated. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, had personality... It was interesting. I think I said this at the beginning, like it's not treated like any of the other animals. Mm-hmm. No, and it's very majestic. Mm-hmm. You get that right away. Not well, only because of its size, but like you said, because it doesn't talk and all the other animals talk. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's majestic's one word for it, but it's also like this appreciation of nature and it's not just like you know, a car it's i I like that they did it this way because it was like 
it wasn't just like another cartoon. Like when he when he interacts with the the mice, they're just other characters. Like, and this Wilbur, is, when you because yeah. Wilbur's another bird and it's, is very different. This is Marahute is like a like a like something of the land or just like I, I don't know. It yeah. really worked. It was a really really worked really well. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree completely. I I think I think it was captured really well in the animation. I think the fact that Maruhute didn't uh, wear any kind of clothing or use any kind of tools, mm-hmm. and and they made sure to keep the eagle just very much an eagle and a, a beautiful mm-hmm. specimen of an eagle, and different from the other animals. I mm-hmm. did like when he when she tickled. Oh, that was adorable. Yeah. But I also like that you you find out that she has eagle eggs. Yeah, and you find out that I I at first in my brain was saying he, forgetting mm-hmm. that she is a mother and has eagle eggs. And you as the viewer find that out with along with Cody. Cody climbs this super high cliff. And we're just like, he is just Monkey fearless boy. boy. Yeah, climbs <laughs> a super high cliff to save her. And then after he saves her, that's when we get these beautiful shots of him flying up high in the clouds with her and then she takes him to his to her nest yeah. which is where you find out she's a mother she has eggs and she's trying to protect them and she gives him a golden feather and it's interesting to me two relationships in this were just kind of interesting like the boy and a a a mother i don't know if we've seen anything like that like these kind of like hmm. the boy and his his pet or like his like animal companion I don't really see it with a young boy and a mother. I don't think we've seen that before. Mm. I can't think of another example just in storytelling. Like, yeah. You know, see. And then in Disney movies, we don't often have, we'll get to this later, but McLeach and then a female henchman. Oh, I see. Like, do, yeah, like, like a male villain like with a female are, henchman. Yeah, I don't, first of all, help me think of another female henchman. I don't think we have them in Disney movies. That's a really good point. But I just, I'm I just thought that think. was. It, it, usually, it's like a woman, and she's got a couple men, like Cruella Deville and Jasper and Horace, and like. Yeah, Ursula I'm trying to think. In Pocahontas, Ratcliffe has Percy. I well, think, Percy's a boy's name. I, I think it's a dog, but I, and yeah. then he has something else. I think too. Just something to look think, out. Yeah, for. We'll think yeah, about we'll have it, to but think like, about I it. just thought that yeah. was interesting. No, that is interesting. It's an interesting thought and kind of take on it that they switched that. Also, when they're up in the sky, they fly through flamingos. And Ryan had made a comment about flamingos and Little Mermaid and wondering. I like, don't think there are flamingos in Denmark. I don't think there are flamingos okay, in Okay, well, I'm going to tell you where they are. Oh, okay, am I wrong? Um, there are supposedly four species of flamingos throughout the Americas. So there's some that reside in the Caribbean. So hypothetically, they could have traveled with Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> For the Little Mermaid, and that's how they all made it there. That's how I'm going Sebastian with it. Sebastian flew on the back of a Yes, flamingo. yes. So that's my thought there. But then they're also in Africa, Asia, and Europe. No kidding. It's, but there's four different species, and then, yeah, they exist in those parts of the well, world. Well, we see those pink birds later that are flying with Wil- uh, Wilbur. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that those are necessarily supposed to be flamingos, but like flamingo. They Watch looked 20- different. They looked different on. than the <laughs> the birds though that they flew through in the beginning. The birds Maybe. they flew yeah, through yeah. in the beginning look more like flamingos. But yeah, either way, I found that interesting. So um, we do find out that Cody's dad is gone, and it's just him and his mom because he asks where the dad eagle is, and the mom kind of like gets sad. Like that's the other thing. 
they can still communicate even though the golden eagle doesn't talk, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so they're able to have a discussion and you kind of see all of this. So she gives him a feather. Um, and then we see a wanted McLeach poster kind of like up on a tree. <laughs> Literally says wanted McLeach. No name. No yeah. Why, just, yeah. Just he's yeah. wanted. No reward. It's, I don't it's, think it's on there. Literally just for the audience. To yeah. Understand. And then this is where we start talking about how old we think Cody is. None of us are very good with guessing children's ages, but we said maybe around 10 because I was just curious because of how fearless he was. Uh, and then he falls into a trap to save a mouse. So you can tell he's really caring about animals in general and like just wants to be helpful. And this sets off like an alarm. And that's when we're introduced to Mick Leach. And Who you said felt like an evil version of Burt Gummer from Trip. Yes. Yeah. I really that's what I got like in the beginning from him. And we see his vehicle before him. Like yeah. his vehicle is so intense and so looming. That's yeah. the wrong word. It's- but it's like the monster truck version of the Cruella DeVille car. Yeah. Yes. Or even or, the car from Oliver and Company. You know, like that oh, car yeah, was yeah, really yeah, intense. That car was sleek. That was like a very fancy yeah. Cadillac. Yeah. But it's still kind of a larger than life what vehicle. What was that character's name? Sykes? Yeah. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time we see the vehicle, it's actually like cresting over a hill and we see it from the bottom. So it's like it fills the screen. Yeah. Well, we also see it. Not, we don't see it, but we see him like a, a high shot of his path. And there, it's just torn down the yeah, trees behind it. Yeah, right. it's destroying everything in its path. You and it what, re- that reminds me of Fern Gully. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> the oil yeah. like machine thing. That yes. the trees. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Um, and so then we see Joanna, my girl, my star. Uh, and we see her growling. Uh, so we do get a shot of her. And then they come out to the trap. And t- Cody, again, fearless, talks right back to Le- McLeach. This movie would be over if he would just lie. Because they're like, where'd you find that bird feather? He's like, it was my friend, the eagle. And he's like, the poachers are going to get you. What you're doing is legal. If you just been like... Not the poachers like, are going to get him. Oh, the, the rangers, rangers are going to get, gonna get him. Poaching. Yeah. If he'd been like, cool, man, thanks for letting me out of this hole. Goodbye. Like the whole <laughs> But he also, <laughs> let's remember to get him out of the hole, he, puts, he leans down the shotgun. Yeah, just oh, grab yeah. on my Yeah, just grab onto this my gun. There's a lot of guns. Bad gun a lot <laughs> all shotguns. But yeah. yes. Um like, and then, I think it's pretty obvious our politics at this point on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> but at the same time, I actually have kind of a looser stance on guns than I think people think I do. But I have very, very low tolerance for bad gun safety, like people with their, you know, bad trigger safety. Yeah, and pointing got, it, and pointing a gun at someone, going, "Here, grab on! I'm gonna grab onto you the out barrel of, of my like, shotgun." No, yeah, no, like no matter what side of the argument you're on, what, like, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. So that <laughs> happens, and then Joanna attacks Cody and winds up pushing McLeach into the trap because the 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 mouse is in his backpack. Yes, and then that's when they see the feather. So it's like this whole like back and forth, and a chase kind of happens, and then he throws Cody's backpack into Crocodile Falls, which we see later. I don't know if you see it there, but later when we come back to Crocodile Falls, there's this whole rock formation that is like in the shape of a crocodile's mouth, and the waterfall comes through it, which is a really cool detail. So look Mm. out for that. Um, you see it later on in the film. And so the idea is he's going to kidnap Cody to find out where the Golden Eagle's nest is and have everybody think that he fell into Crocodile Falls and he was eaten by the crocodiles. So this is like where you really see kids in real danger here. 
And then we go back to the RAS and you kind of see like Morse code. It goes like pretty much all around the, the world, through the country, through the United States, to New York to let them know about Cody. Um, I like that that was a scene that we didn't get a bunch of like ethnic stereotypes. Like, yes. that, felt like, it, like that could have been a really version yeah. of the Disney one that was like, Tokyo, and then we mm-hmm. see Japanese mice. We just we got go. mice in Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> that was it. Which is fine. In the Hawaiian islands. Right. Uh, but then we see that Bernard and Bianca are missing from the meeting, the emergency meeting, and we find out it wasn't the Eiffel Tower that Ryan mentioned, but it has a feel that it could have been. I think it was a French restaurant. Yeah, it was supposed to be a French restaurant Although in New York so City. So surf pea soup because a pea fell off of. <laughs> that's one thing i do like about these movies is you show the symbiotic relationship between the the, the animals and humans mm-hmm. and how they a pea falls off that becomes oops sorry that, be, that goes on the menu of the mouse yes and the crickets are the the waiters and yeah they they did do we think those weren't roaches Oh, maybe. Francois were Francois, I think, was a roach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to think about that, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good point, yeah. Um, but the, they had the same attention to detail that they did in the first one with what Ryan's saying mm-hmm. here about, you know, what they were using. Um, kind of to, Like, they used a thimble to make the pea soup yeah. and things like that. And the whole, the whole mouse restaurant was the top part of a chandelier in the actual human restaurant. Oh, and I right. thought yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. I always really like the thought that's put into that with both of these films. We find out that Bernard is trying to get up the courage to propose to Bianca. Oh. And so he winds up <laughs> <laughs> he winds up dropping the ring. It goes under the table. And then this larger lady, voluptuous mouse... Has it on her toe under the table? How'd she not feel that ring on her foot? Diabetes. Oh, don't. that's terrible. I can't believe you just her. said that. I'm just say Just took it to a dark place. Um, um, neuropathy in the extremities is a... It's, I think it's something we should talk about and let our okay. listeners know. Okay, all right, all right. Thank you for the uh, for the warning. It's important. Um, For the good toe and foot health. Uh <laughs> But basically, there's a miscommunication. He's, like, fumbling to try to propose. Francois comes in and, like, gives her the news about the emergency meeting. She agrees. He thinks she's agreeing to proposing to him, and it's really about the meeting. And Bernard doesn't know it until they get back into the RAS. And um, she says, yes, we'll go to Australia. And he's like, we will? And so it's kind of this whole back and forth. Um, And then there's a huge snowstorm, and we see that... Uh, Orville, I was trying to think of his name. Orville is not there. It's under new management by Wilbur. And we're introduced by Wilbur as he's dancing to rock and roll. I'm jumping a little ahead, but I love, like, when he, they, they get his attention and he starts talking about, oh, like, selling his business. And he's like, would you like, I, for some reason, every single drink he offered, I want. He's like, yes, they like were all tropical cooler? drinks. Yeah, yeah like I felt like guava he, coconut. I feel like he was trying to sell them to go to, like, Hawaii Yeah, with, with those drinks. <laughs> Um, and then also he has this like surfer rock and roll cowabunga. He says cowabunga, but like when he dive bombs, it's like surfer rock and roll music. It's yeah, just like it's an interesting like Dick Dale, like, like, yes. uh, like a guitar riff. Like and, the, the Miserloo from Pulp Fiction, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely surfer. Yeah. 
basically they get it across. We need to go to Australia now. Like we can't wait. It's important. We know there's a snowstorm. So he like warms up and all the stretches he does after they're on his back <laughs> and like to warm up and get ready is just it's really hilarious. funny. And then when he says they have to connect to a bigger bird, at first I thought he meant an actual bird, <laughs> but he meant an airplane. We find out later that they're like on, they get on like a wheel of a plane to take mm-hmm. them the rest of the way. Um, but this is where it starts cutting back and forth between, you know, what's going on in Australia and kind of where they're at. Um, and it cuts back to McLeach and he sings home on the range and I'm going to share with you what the lyrics are because they're terrible, (laughs) but he's like sing songy when he captures the boy and he's home on the range, a traditional Australian song. (laughs) Yeah. It's a Western song. Um, it was apparently a little known trivia fact. It was FDR's favorite song, and that's how it became widely popular in the United States. They played <laughs> Back it on when the. There ra- weren't a lot of songs to choose. <laughs> they from, played I guess. it on. They played it on the radio, like to <laughs> dedicate it to him before the news program signed off. That's my trivia from my job. Uh, but anyway, here's what he sings: "Home, home on the range, where the critters are tied up in chains." I cut through their sides and I rip off their hides, and the next day I do it again. I nope, just like nope. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't think I would have picked up on it as much if we didn't have the subtitles. But I right. was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, what's going on here? <laughs> so he's singing that, and then we meet Sparky and Jake, and they're playing checkers. Oh, Sparky's the fly. Sparky's the little fly that's with them at the Aww. beginning, um, at the runway, and then that's when Wilbur kind of like crash lands. They have to extend the runway for mm-hmm. Wilbur. Um, and he winds up hurting his back and they take him to this hospital. This whole Wilbur's back thing, like, this is one section I could do without. Yeah, it's so so weird to me that Jeffrey Katzenberg went, we should cut part of your world. And he didn't go, he was like, just keep in the whole back hospital. Yeah, the underground hospital that's like in this old abandoned medic truck. Medic, yeah, medic vehicle. And the doctor's. A little, like... Let's just cover this whole thing. Yeah. Let's get out of the way. The doctor's like a little Dr. Frankenstein-ish later yeah. on. Not in this scene, well, but later on when well, they cut back when, to when it. he's like, go ahead and leave and we'll take care of the patient. I kept expecting him to turn around and be like, now I can experiment <laughs> on this. Yeah. I was like, this guy, like, it felt like, like, Dr. Was it Finkelstein from... Uh, Halloween, the the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh yes, it felt like he was just gonna turn into that at any moment. Yeah, well, And when they were giving him medicine, the nurses filled up syringes and put them in the barrel of a shotgun, and then that's how they administered the and then medicine. They were gonna cut him open with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, that happens later. It was it was so... to operate. I, those scenes I could do without. Like, and then he he act he like fixes his back by falling i don't know i'm glad we talked about it Does, do you have anything to say about those scenes? yeah i i just think it was because they got john candy and they wanted to use him yeah i, I guess i feel like you know just using him going yow oh no what doc like like that, i mean like, i don't know like if you really want to use john candy you give him like I don't know how you do this in an animated feature, but you give them like 10 minutes of improv. Yeah. You just go, go. Yeah. Like, you've, you've seen Home Alone, right? Yes. Do you know the whole scene where he's talking to Catherine O'Hare and he's like, we left our kid at a funeral O'Hara. parlor. O'Hara. Sorry. sorry. We, we left our kid at a funeral parlor that one yeah. time. Remember that when they're the truck? Yes. That's all made up. Really? Like he just makes that up and he just, as he goes. So like, that's to me what you do is you... <laughs> 
get him to come in. Like, I guess at the end of the movie, you don't see Wilbur talking and he's going. You get a scene like that where you can't actually see Wilbur's mouth moving. You just go, go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how you get John Candy. I don't well, know. Well, also, was... we talked about how Home Alone opened the same weekend. So it is funny that he was mm, in yeah, two movies right. that opened. Uh, but polka yeah. Polka, polka, polka. Polka, polka. Uh, so yeah, so now we've covered all that. So I might just mention here's where that comes in again, but we've addressed it now. That was like the first medical scene. Uh, and then Jake Stokes starts talking about the danger, the nightmare canyon and Satan's Ridge and how there's more <laughs> quicksand here as Bernard's looking at the map trying to figure out how to get to Cody. So he's like, you really need a guide. And Jake, from the moment Bianca comes like off the off Wilbur and they land, he's very smitten with Bianca. Like, it's, it's pretty clear oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that he, like, wants to put the moves well, on Bianca, and he's very Wilbur smooth. Wilbur was, too. Well, yeah. smitten, but very much, oh, you're Very taken with her, like, yeah. Like, Bernard, you yeah. know. Well, also, it sounds like Orville talked about Bianca right. and yeah. Bernard, but probably more Bianca from, so that's kind of how Wilbur knows of them. I think that's part of her as a character. She's not just pretty. She's very charming, and I yeah. think people mm-hmm. fall in love with her, whether it's romantically or just like, you're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, and so I love here when... Uh, Jake is saying you need somebody who knows the land and everything. And Bianca says, oh, that's wonderful. And Bernard goes, doesn't even know how to fold a mat. <laughs> like, I just love, like, Bernard is more confident in this film than the first one. Like, he's a little bit more fearless. Bernard's got a very good arc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really, he's a little bit, he stands up for himself a little bit more. I really liked his character a lot in this mm-hmm. one. I like Jake the way they draw his legs. I like that when he moves, he's hopping. Yeah. Like a kangaroo. He's a kangaroo. Yeah. 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 Have you ever and seen a kangaroo rat? No. We'll have to post a picture of them, but they have kangaroo legs. Oh, and they interesting. they kind of hop a little bit like that. Huh. Well, but other than that, they just look like mice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I knew they existed. I thought they mm-hmm. just, that was like an animation choice. No, I don't know that I knew animals. that that was a real animal. Yeah. If, um, if they have an animal that has a duck bill and a beaver tail and lays eggs, like, they'll have, they, you know, that, that that's not as, as far-fetched. Uh, kangaroo rat is as far as oh, the platypus i guess yeah uh but he's really smooth i don't know what they're on it kind of looks like a flying squirrel but it may be something else uh but a he- sugar glider that's what it looked like to me is that yeah. what it is yeah i gotta i gotta see if either you keep going but i'm gonna see if either of those are native yeah yeah so they're on that and bernard's like on the tail and they're like kind of um backwards shoulders would be and that's when jake is real smooth and like puts his arm around bianca <laughs> and is like trying to put the moves on her there too so it kind of happens a couple times there um but then we cut back to Joanna in the lair where McLeach is, is staying. And she's eating animal crackers. She's eating, like, a box of animal crackers. Sugar gliders are native to mainland Australia, New Guinea, and certain Indonesian islands. Oh, okay. cool. Well, I like that they used mostly native animals for the mm-hmm. most part. Did we, yeah. did we talk about Joanna is a goanna? No, I, I have that written, but is, yeah. Like, spelled the same with a G instead of a J. Yeah. <laughs> But this is when we see McLeach throwing knives at Cody. Like, oh, it's, again, gosh. it's real dark. And he's, you know, he's threatening, like, the rangers are, are going to find your backpack. Like, no one's going to know where you are. Like, and then he tries, you know, he just is trying to get the information. And then it yeah. cuts to 
Um, back to Bianca and Bernard, there's a lot of back and forth here with what they're doing versus what's happening uh, with Cody. And Bernard tries to propose again because Jake has left mm-hmm. to go get them more transportation. And Jake interrupts and he's got this snake muzzled, like a rope tied to him. And the snake looks so sad in like this muzzle. And he interrupts. So again, he's not able to propose. Then it cuts back to throwing Cody in a cage. And you realize where Cody is caged up, he's got all these other animals of Australia caged up. It was so sad. It was so sad. He's trapped with all these other animals, including a very manic lizard named Frank. (laughs) Who looks like Bill. Who looks like Bill. Uh... But the lizard from Alice in Wonderland, but has, has a frill, has a frill and a wild Bill energy. A yeah, a wild <laughs> energy about him. Uh, and then I said this part was kind of dark and sad with the animals because Cody's very optimistic about we can get out of here, and the koala, koala cribs, yeah, says, yeah, you're gonna get out of here as a belt. You're going to get out of here as this. And then he goes, and you know what? You're going to get out of here as Frank. And Frank is like deathly afraid to be turned into a purse. And so they talk about that. But Cody's super optimistic and is like, oh, if we all grab something, we can all work together. And that's kind of what happens. And they go to get the keys with like this long um, hooked hooked stick. stick. And of course, Joanna hears it. And there's like a doggy door for Joanna. (laughs) And she comes in and she takes the keys and hooks them back up. And she's a predatory lizard, is what we said, right? A goanna? A goanna. Looks like kind of like a Komodo dragon. Uh, but yeah, goanna is a type of predatory lizard. So. Yeah. And so that's she what she's based eggs. off. Oh, gosh, yeah. About <laughs> yeah, we get to, yeah, we get to that soon here. Uh, then they're flying on fly- fireflies. So that's another way that Bianca and them, they're, they're getting around by different animals. And then it cuts back to Wilbur. And that cuts back to the whole hospital thing we were talking about with the chainsaw. So then after all of that, uh, <laughs> it cuts to the mom and we see her getting the news. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. That the Rangers. Not, that could have been cut. Yeah. It could have been, <laughs> been cut because the Rangers give her the backpack and then we never see her again. So yeah. for all we know, Cody never gets reunited with her. He just like flies off into the sunset, literally um, into the moonlight. So, yeah, they hand her this backpack, and I agree with you. I think it could be cut out because then it cuts to McLeish, and he's hearing the Rangers on the radio. I think you could yeah, have you just heard the Rangers, yeah, yeah and yeah. not heard the rest of it um, because that is <clears throat> super dark. It's heartbreaking. And, <laughs> it's heartbreaking yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So then he uh, has this metal toolbox full of eggs <laughs> and this like a tackle box yeah. whole bit you should go watch the movie if you don't go watch the movie look on youtube for this clip joanna and eggs because it's just like her eyes peeking up over the table her tail it's so funny the box open and closes she's moving things around to distract him so she can get into the box to get another egg at one point he asks her to open her mouth and she takes her tongue and holds and the egg pull- behind her head. It's so good. So you really just need to watch it because we all like died laughing and it's it really shines her like yeah. shines a light on her so well. Voice, uh, I don't know if we said this, but Joanna's voiced by Frank Welker, who is the man of a th- who's been in like a thousand animated things as, as animals and oh, okay. stuff. You know, he was in Transformers and Real Ghostbusters and a lot of different as stuff. As all so. animal voices. Well no, in those he was in, in trans he's He's been in a bunch of Disney movies as animal voices. In Transformers, he was like Megatron. In uh, Real Ghostbusters, he was 
Ray and Slimer. The Joanna voice sounds a lot like Slimer from the real I see. Sometimes. <laughs> um, I also like when she runs, you can hear her nails. Yeah. Her claws. Oh, They're her yeah, claws, they not her nails, I guess. Cookie, cookie, cookie. But yeah. Her nails. <laughs> yeah, her nails. Uh, but so Frank finally picks the lock. So there's this whole bit with him trying and he falls asleep, the lizard. And he finally picks the lock. He goes wild about being free and like has this crazy energy, gets the keys, drops them. And then Joanna comes in again and uh, a whole chase goes on here. And then that brings McLeach in mm-hmm. and then he takes Cody out and he tells Cody, he realizes when the whole bit with Joanna and the eggs is happening, he's like, oh, the eagle eggs. He's like, if I can get him to focus on the eagle eggs. We get that real scary shot of him with red eyes. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's a really dark shot. Um, and so he tells Cody that he heard on the radio from the Rangers that the bird was shot. Um, and it's too bad about those eagle eggs in the nest. And he kind of just lets Cody go off into the outback and he follows him with his giant truck, which Ryan said would be pretty hard to not notice yeah. it was following you. Cause it's, I feel like you could feel it coming. Like, yeah. Oh, the vibrations <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then it cuts back to Bernard and Bianca and Jake and they all kind of get there at that time and they jump onto the vehicle and they're in the treads. And so there's this whole action scene. And this is where Bernard again kind of dives into the action without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas before he'd probably be nervous and second guess himself and he kind of dives in to help save Bianca. So Cody gets to the nest, again, climbing up the crazy high cliff or climbing down, however he gets there. And he tries to save the eggs and the mice find him and are trying to tell him what's going on. And he hears the golden eagle coming back. And that's when they're like, this is a trap. And then we see a rocket. Oh, or a God. missile. Yeah. Shooter with a missile, yeah. <laughs> and we realize it's kind of like one of those cloth traps that you like shoot out and it's got like a rope attached to it. Yeah, a net. A net. And so that's how he captures the eagle and Cody jumps on it again fearless over mm-hmm. this giant canyon. And then Jake lassos Bianca and that's how they get separated. So Bernard stays in the nest and they kind of all get up and go into the cage. And in the trap in the vehicle. And then he tries to get Joanna to go down and get the eggs. That's like her reward. And he puts her on this harness with this rope tied in like a double knot. And like lowers her down. And again, it's this whole comedic bit. And That feels like another bit they could have easily cut. And just cut to Bernard protecting the eggs and then Wilbur showing up. Yeah, I mean, I I laughed a lot at her trying to eat the eggs and realizing they were too big for her mouth and she breaks a tooth (laughs) off one of them because they're rocks. Yeah, Yeah, Bernard put rocks in there and then she just knocks them off the cliff. So you find out that Bernard saved them and then Wilbur comes and he talks Wilbur into sitting on the eggs to watch the eggs while he leaves. (laughs) And he's like, quit moving in there. Yeah, and he starts (laughs) following the tracks and we're like, oh, Bernard, you're going to need you're going to need to get some more transportation. And sure enough, he does. He, yes. he gets the confidence to do what Jake did to the snake. Jake, mm-hmm. the snake Roberts wrestling reference. Um, <laughs> and then uh, he uh, gets the uh, this. He finds a Razorback, which we talked about. Guys, there's a old Australian horror movie called Razorback. That is I'm going to put in this little fact because I love it. It's this movie where they wrote the whole movie and they wanted him to make a giant mechanical pig. And then the pig they made like was like four times as big as they wanted it to. <laughs> so it's not like a regular Razorback is about, you know, 50, 60 pounds. And this one's like 120. 
It's like there's a scene where this guy's looking through a pack of Razorbacks and he scans past a van-sized mechanical <laughs> Razorback and then like goes past and goes back. He's like, "What is that?" But it's so uh, it's, it's it's like comically big. Oh, it's I love the movie. It's so <laughs> it's so bad, great. But anyway, but this is another moment where Bernard is very like listen to me, this is what you're going to do. Like, yeah, he, he takes charge. Yeah, he takes yeah. charge, which I don't think he would have in the first movie. So this kind of happens again here. We go back to the Croc Falls. This is where we see kind of that rock formation I was talking about earlier. And he talks about how live bait is the best. And that's what we're using today. And you see he ties Cody to the rope. He's got to tie up this loose end. And he wants the Rangers to just find him or his clothing or whatever. So that's why he's going to beat him to the crocodile. Now it's getting a little bond villain where it's Mm -hmm. like, just kick the kid. I'm like, listen, I don't think he should do this. I'm going to sound really like bad here, but just (laughs) throw the kid in. Like, why is he like, ah, like he starts getting real vicious. He like lowers him down. He starts singing again, some song about like, and that's another like familiar melody, but but like, it's it's an American one. Like not once does he sing like Waltzing yeah. Matilda or Timey <laughs> Kangaroo Down or yeah. anything like that. So he dunks Cody in the water and then brings him out. So like as Ryan said, he's like messing with Cody, messing with the crocodiles. Like he's teasing everyone basically. And it's not even like ooh what a vicious guy. It's just like it's just mean. It's just yeah. It's, like, it's really dark. I, I feel like McLeach is gonna have some major go away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so the power goes out on his vehicle and stops everything. And the Razorback, you see it kind of run away. And then he gets angry at Joanna and sends Joanna after it to figure out what's going on. So you find out Bernard got there. He took the keys. And then a whole chase ensues with Bernard and Joanna here. And then all of a sudden, McLeish takes his gun and he goes, well, there's another way I can do this. And he tries. You hear a blast before you see anything. And then he looks through his scope to try to shoot the rope that Cody is dangling from. So again, it's like he... Well, I made the point, why doesn't he just shoot the kid? You made a good point of like, well, if they find him, he wants him to think he was killed by Mm -hmm. Crocs. Yeah. But here's the thing. They're going to find him tied up. I don't know. Yeah. So he's not thinking clearly, obviously. So then (laughs) Joanna... Jumps on. Well, it was you said that, and I said, "Don't worry, Tara knows how to dispose of a body." She's from New Jersey. She's like, "I'm like, oh, I defer to your your expertise, yeah. my dear." Uh, true story. We were it. I know what is the story going to no, be? No, no, not about me. But okay. we were. You know this story. I was with a good friend. I was with Chris from the Fantasia episode, and he was a high school band director at the time, and he was getting a tuba. From um, this place, and now I can't oh, think of the I name of it. Oh, I do know this story. Can't think of the name of it, but it's a very famous brass shop in New Jersey. Don't advertise it after the end of this story. No, it's a great <laughs> place. It was just a customer who. Was oh, there. it was a customer. I thought yeah. it was the guy. No, no, no. Oh my gosh, that's gonna drive me nuts. I can't think of it. But anyway, um, like people come from all over the country to go to this tiny little shop in, I think, Woodbridge, New Jersey. But anyway, we go to pick up this tuba, and this guy like looks at us, and he's like, "You could fit." Two bodies unchopped in there. Like dead oh serious looks at it and said unchopped. Like it was very specific. And Chris and I were just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like just took it and walked out. And like for the rest of like the week, like we in could New, not stop in talking New Jersey, about that's it. That's called networking. Like he was trying to see if we needed that service. Like he done. was an older Ita- I will say he was like an old what you think of, an older yeah. Italian gentleman, yeah. like in North Jersey. It was very bizarre. Oh, but no. anyway. Uh so anyway, back to this. So um, he winds up 
getting attacked by Joanna and he's on the like edge of the cliff and he's hanging on by like one foot and Bernard just takes like one finger and pushes his foot and both McLeach and Joanna fall into Crocodile Falls at this point. Like he just like pushes him the littlest bit. Bernard commits murder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then I will say Cody falls in and then Bernard jumps in to save Cody. So again, he doesn't think about it. He jumps in to go save Cody at this point as well. Mm -hmm. He starts talking about celebrating that he beat the crocodiles. McLeach, she's in the water and he's like doing a victory lap basically without looking behind him. (laughs) And then Joanna's just on a rock and just kind of like waves goodbye. Like a little (laughs) sad, just kind of like very plain face. And that's the last we see of wonderful Joanna. I know. That's the last we see of her. And he goes over the falls. He falls from a very high height and we see his tiny little body fall for much longer than I think we needed to. I don't know how you guys felt about that. I didn't really need to see his tiny shadow fall all the way down those falls. That was low on the list of egregious things this movie did. In my opinion. <laughs> I guess that's true. I don't know how you feel, Danny. Uh, it was sim- It reminded me a lot of uh, Gaston's fall in Beauty and the Beast. It had that same sort of like length of only time I-, I felt like. Only I was much sadder. In Beauty and the Beast. I know. Your, your beloved guest. Still on. not over it. Uh, that village's story is how their hero was killed by a, uh, a monster. Oh That's no. their story. <laughs> I'm just saying. We will discuss that in a few weeks. Uh, so that's going to be another uh, heated debate, I'm sure. Uh, but then the... How do you say it again? I keep saying Golden Eagle because I don't want to say the name wrong. Marahute? Marahute? Is that right? I think so. You asked me and then you looked at me like, I said it and it was like your Manchurian candidate word and you just all of a sudden, like like Winter Soldier where he's like, boxcar, whatever, and he's just ready for programming. I'm sorry. Marahute winds up saving Cody and in turn saving Bernard. And then soaring above the clouds, we realize Jake and Bianca are also on the eagle. And then Bernard says, you know, before we go any further and proposes to Bianca. And she says, of course, you know, I'll marry you. And then he gets like the thumbs up approval from Jake, which I feel like he didn't need. (laughs) I don't know that he was looking for it. It was fine. It wasn't like, but I was just like. Jake wasn't i mean jake was pretty forward with miss bianca but i don't think he knew what was going on with bernard he wasn't a he's not a monster i guess that's true and he did he didn't give bernard enough credit at one point and bianca was like oh i know you don't know him like i do he'll Mm -hmm. come and say he'll come to us imagine you just were sitting there and someone you kind of met that morning just got down and proposed to someone else like what it's an awkward situation what are you supposed to do that's true i think he handled it pretty well i guess that's true yeah (laughs) uh and then they fly into the moonlight and that's the last we see of all of them. Oh, God. this It's so funny because it snuck up on me again. The ending. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the end of the movie. What happened? I was like, oh, we're done. Like, yeah. They cut to Wilbur and kind of like a scene I say where the eggs hatch and bite him. But like, <laughs> the end just sneaks up on you. Like, and yeah. I, good for them for being like, we've done everything we wanted to. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he never reunites with his mother. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I ju- I don't know why I needed that, but I needed the mother to know like he was alive and okay. It's because of- we got that sad, sad scene. Well, you're one right. Of the yeah, I with forgot the to point out there is you don't see her face. It's only like her nose and below. It's mm-hmm. weird. Like they're kind of doing this like the thing they do in Lady and the Tramp, but yeah, we but- see the rest of 
like we see all of McLeach's body. Did they do that with the non-villain adults in the first Rescuers? I mean, in New York they did. Remember when they all come in? I don't know if we saw But that them. was from the mice's perspective. That's true. This, I don't know if. No, because Medusa yeah. and her henchmen, and then her her adoptive parents at the end, and the, the yeah, we saw all of TV, them. We saw them. Yeah. yeah, it was a weird choice. Yeah, it was. I guess maybe they didn't want to animate the grief on her face. I think it was that. I think that they also just didn't want us to connect with the mother too much with a woman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to, which to I think we it... wound up doing because we only saw that really sad yeah. scene of her. <laughs> All right, so let's go over the questions. First off, how is the princess? So, is the I think there's like there's two major relationships in this movie. Going back to kind of why I didn't connect to this one as much as the rescuers was Cody. I feel like didn't have a relationship with. I feel like you could say the princesses were Bernard and Bianca and Cody, and then the princes were. I don't know. I don't know. How to how to establish the princess in this one and the prince. The prince is definitely Marahute. Does anyone agree with anything I'm saying? <laughs> I'm thinking I'm about it. I'm kind of thinking about it. I, yeah. I think the strong relationship is Marahute and Cody. Yeah. They have a linked connection. And then I think you're right. I think Cody never really makes the strong connection with Bianca and Bernard. Mm-hmm. Like, we as the viewer have a strong connection with them because we know them from the first movie, but Cody doesn't know who they are, and they don't really establish him getting connected with them. It's just like, all of a sudden, these mice are here. So maybe let's just talk about those relationships and not necessarily give it a label for this one. Yeah. Okay. What is, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think the Marahute-Cody relationship was the best part of the movie. One of the, the best parts Absolutely. of the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. I kind of wish... I mean, I understand the point of the movie is your... Is your keeping the bad guy away from Marahute, but like I wanted her in the movie more, her and Cody. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked that relationship and I also liked her design. Everything we talked about in the Mm -hmm, beginning mm -hmm. of the opening scenes with her, um, there was a lot to really like about her and that relationship. Um, Let's talk about the sidekicks and I think we've gushed all over <laughs> Joanna. Like, Joanna she was, was the a, star. a wonderful she surprise. She stole the show. <laughs> she was just hilarious. She's like, hilarious. As I mentioned, though, she is horrifying in scenes, too. So yeah. I think she could be scary, but I think she's so comical. Yes. I think that outweighs her scariness, and I also think that helps how dark McLeish is. Mm-hmm. Well, her, her first appearance had a real fidget from great mouse detective where she yes. jumps into the scene and snaps at you and she starts off very scary and then becomes very and she's kind of relatable know. in a way all she just wants to do is eat yeah and I she's get it. a little i don't i don't know what other word to use but she's a little dopey or clumsy yeah you know she like bashes her head into things yeah and like she's not paying attention to where she's going and then she also has a little bit of dog energy like she did a couple things that i'm like oh that's what lady would do like kind of the way she moved a little bit did you remember joanna from from this like I did. enjoying her as much yeah i i, I loved her <laughs> i feel like i'm being accusatory like why didn't you tell us about joanna danny <laughs> As soon as she came on the scene and then when the the bit happened with the eggs, I was like, oh, that's who I remembered from this movie. Mm. Like, so I had kind of a like similar thing of like nostalgia with her. Oh, I saw a meme a long time ago where it it actually labeled Joanna a Disney princess. And I was just (laughs) like, this is amazing and I love it. (laughs) It's a meme specifically for you. That's great. 
I love her. I think she's great. She's like, great. I during halfway during the movie, I went like, how could they have made her the villain? And I don't think they could have. <laughs> I mean, I liked her better than Nero and Brutus. Was that their names? Yeah, I think that was their names. The and- crocodiles. I think she had way more personality than them, but at the same time, was still scary and animalistic. And I guess I kept saying that about Marahute, where. Joanna didn't speak either. Oh, I guess she didn't. She growled and yeah, she but never she spoke had either. So much personality she was so that you animated. just thought she was yeah. Mm, yeah, and as you said, personality and the banter between her and McLeish was funny. Yeah. It was her <laughs> facial expressions with him talking to her like that we talked to scene. Lady. That egg scene. Yeah. It was so yeah, that, funny. <laughs> we're gonna have to just put that egg scene on the The Facebook best is page. when you don't see her and you just see the lid open. And, <laughs> and you hear it open and close. And then when he opens it and there's no eggs. I don't yeah. think we said that, but then there's no eggs in it. Like he's yeah. gotten all the eggs. Favorite musical number there was when I there wasn't one. I don't even I you know, there wasn't even like a like an, it, you know like an ending like we talked about in Tron where there was that journey song. Yeah. Well, I think we all really liked the music at the very beginning. It was instrumental, but we all perked up and were really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that opening so, theme is real good. I yeah. think we should list that here. There you go. Good call. Does it hold up? Female character agency. I, it's it's interesting because I feel like there's more like Marahute's female, Joanna's female, mm-hmm. but they're not really coded feminine or any sort of like female which is fine but it's if there were i think more women characters in it yeah. i think they're just like it just felt like they changed their pronoun at the i mean i guess marahute the whole thing is she has eggs but i don't know well and joanna is a woman that's what i'm yeah. saying but, but like yeah joanna like is but pretty gender neutral exactly. and they just chose mm-hmm. she i almost uh, feel like this movie takes a step back from the first rescuers when it comes to female agency because in the first rescuers bianca was constantly saving bernard bernard and in this movie there wasn't any of that the mother was Mm. basically non-existent and yes there was joanna but like you mentioned there was nothing specifically female about her really Mm -hmm. so yeah i i felt when when you started saying that about bianca what comes to mind to me is like she kind of took a back seat in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah like she wasn't as strong it it was great to see her but i feel like bernard's arc yeah was much stronger across two movies than hers was and she was also kind of the subject of the like jake's trying to get her bernard's Uh trying to keep her so she's a little objectified in that way yeah yeah yeah, that's a good point. Which is unfortunate, because I, I think we all felt she was a, a fairly strong character in the first one. Mm-hmm. I think both of the rescuers in general, like, the the, the rescuers took a back seat in this one, I think, a little bit. In yeah, some yeah, I agree. And I think you make a good point. If they could have established a stronger relationship with them and Cody, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that may have made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, we got wacky uh, hospital antics. Uh <laughs> <laughs> drinking and smoking there wasn't i don't think any of that in this no but there sure there was, was a, lot a lot of, of guns a lot of fire <laughs> a lot of guns a lot of shotguns specifically um i think we're looking at an all-white cast again i don't think there's any people of color you know we uh uh a australian movie is the perfect time to to bring in indigenous australian actors mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. i know you know is 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 probably in 1990 they weren't being i think they were getting the most uh jobs as in Crocodile Dundee as as Aboriginals. Oh, okay. 
Um, so that would have been nicer to see, but we didn't really get that. Um, it would have been nicer to see more Australian actors in general. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah. And so finally, we are to the infallible scientific Oof. ranking of McLeach. <laughs> All right. So McLeach for frightening. What do we got, guys? Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna give him a full five. I give him like to me. I think I'd give him a three or a four. Do you, what do you, what are you thinking? I'm between a four and a five because he tries to murder a little boy. <laughs> like, and he teases, he uses him truly as bait, like dunks him into the water, dunks him out. He's very scary. He uh, throws knives at him. And he murders animals. Okay. Well, he's got a four from me. What do you got I'm giving him a five. Okay. Funny. I think he thinks he's funny, so I might give him a two or maybe a three, but I think probably a two. I think he's supposed to be humorous and like weirdly jovial. Now it's psychotic, but I think he's supposed to be. Oh, I give him a one. I didn't find him funny at all. All of the humor I think came from Joanna for me. So what do you think, Danny? I'm going to give him a two. I think that there are some brief moments there where he's a little... His his maniacal nature can be a little humorous, but mm. it's an uncomfortable kind of humor. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give him a two. I so the next one is fierce. Now he has a little bit of cape drama at the end where he's got that coat and he's spinning around, but that's more overlap than cape drama. We talk <laughs> yeah. about in Little Mermaid. There's an actual industry term for that kind of animation. So I'm thinking like a one. Yeah, I think I think he's. One step away from, as we talked about, a his bogan. vehicle. Yeah, I think is I would rate higher on that scale than him for sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know that I want to lump them together. So, what do you want to give him? A one. And Danny, I'll do a one as well. Uh, so the next one is effective. I think he was very effective. He got the eagle. His point was he wanted to capture the eagle, and he got it. He, he didn't, didn't sell it though. He wanted to get very right. rich. I don't think he's a five. I, I don't think he's a five. Like, you know, he didn't, he's not, I think our fives right now are Ursula and Maleficent. Yeah. But I think he might be a four. Yeah, I could, I could go with a four. I also think he had a smart plan of like uh, manipulating the hero into leading oh, him yeah. where he wanted to. Yeah. And then also how to get rid of the hero. Yes. Even though yeah. it didn't really work out for him. Well, that's an interesting point too, because I think I actually would dock him a point for that and give him a three almost because he was so stupid and Bond villainy when he, <laughs> he was trying to kill. However, for all we know, the mother still thinks the boy is gone. We Fair. never see them reunite. <laughs> no. So, you know, that I know. I, I In my heart, I hope they reunite. But um, I think I'm going to give him a four. I, okay. think, I think you're right. I think he, he gets the eagle. He gets the boy. Well, the boy wasn't the goal, but like yeah. to try to get rid of the boy. What do you think, Danny? Four. Okay. Uh, design. I, okay. So I like this look of Australian hunter, but there's nothing new there. Like literally they just went, give me an Australian hunter. And they, and they put crocodile grabbed. teeth mm-hmm. on his hat. Yeah. So to me, it's maybe a three, maybe a two. I think I'd give him a three. Cause again, I enjoy this look, but I think it's real middle of the road, just like standard. Hmm. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, I'm going to, I was going to give him a two. And then I remembered him twirling around in the cape, or the, the coat. Didn't he that was look wearing. good? It really did. And <laughs> him dancing around like that. And I think, I think there's enough there to give him a three for me. So I'm going between a two and a three. And again, if you include his vehicle 
in his design. Yes. I really liked the vehicle a lot. Like the vehicle's a four or five for me, just the vehicle alone. Right. So I almost feel like I have to give him a three because the vehicle was like an extension of him. Okay. Kind of like Carilla's car think, is an extension. Mm. Yeah, Carilla's car is an extension of her Sykes Cadillac. So I'm going to give him a three for that because I really, there was a lot of attention to detail with his vehicle. Go away, Heat. <laughs> so I'm going to give him a four and I'll tell you why he didn't get a five. Okay. Because I actually didn't hate this character. Now, I know he did awful stuff. But to me, I, I almost like liked to hate him because of that. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe they're just piling on the like, they did a one of those scary pictures of him, you know, the scary close-ups with the eyes. That's usually a big go-away heat thing for me from like the coachman from Pinocchio. He like endangered a kid. He fought animals. He did all, ticked all my things. And I think it's a strong four, but I still think it's a four because at the end of the day, I was like, I don't know. I there just there just wasn't something that got him over to five to me. Okay. But I can totally understand anyone <laughs> else giving him a five if you guys want to. I'm not trying to argue for a four. I'm trying to explain why I mm-hmm. gave him a four. So, Danny, what do you think? I think I am going to go with. I think I'm going to go with a four as well, uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a good villain is is meant to be like is meant to be hated, and I think he was a pretty good villain. I that's part of why we did this one because I think a villain that doesn't hit hit any other marks, but at the end of the day, you go boo, I hate this guy. That's why we have go away heat yeah. so that he can be. I think the worst thing a villain can be is boring, and so if if you ha- don't have any go away heat and and you don't have anything else, like that's a bad villain. Yeah. To me. So. I'm going to give him a four as well. Okay. And the other thing that I was thinking about him is I compared to Amos. Amos Slade in Fox and the Hound, I like did not want to see on the screen. <laughs> so he was a five for me. Like I did not yeah. care for him at all. He has a four for all the things you mentioned. But I think another reason I don't give him a five is Joanna wouldn't be as funny without him. Mm, this is okay. true. Yeah. Like their banter back and forth, which now I'm almost talking myself into giving him a three. But I think he's like a three and a half. So I'll give him, I'll give him a four. A soft four. Yeah, I'll give him a soft four. Okay. But yeah, I think without him, I think Joanna would still be funny. But like that banter doesn't exist without both of them. Um. Yes, Factor. He's a one for me. I did not remember this guy. I was like, whatever. When he was, you know, I never was like, I, I would say, I don't think he deserves a two. But I almost, it's a hard one because it's like, what are they going to do with this guy next? Like it was almost a weird, like morbid curiosity of how terrible he was going to be, <laughs> you know, if like they brought him back on screen. Mm. But I, I, I honestly, I wasn't looking, I, 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 I wasn't not looking forward to him, but I was like, who's this guy? I don't remember anything about him. He didn't make the second villain book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he gets a one for me. Danny. Oh, I'm, I'm actually gonna, gonna go a little higher. I'm like torn between like a three and a four here. And Ooh. I know, okay. I know, I know, but no, I love it. I <laughs> no, love that's great. Yeah. I like when our numbers don't agree with one another. Cause a lot of times they do. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm really surprised he didn't make that villain book because like I said, I feel like he I is that, a yeah. good villain. <laughs> I looked up like by his first, cause there's an index. I looked up by his first name, by his last what name, was his by first the name? movie. 
now I don't remember, but he, I, I <laughs> have it. P, wasn't it? Yeah, I Pearson maybe. Something. Or I maybe don't know his if that's right. Was P. I but um, but in the first villain book, it lists his full name, the Frank and Ollie villain right. book. So, and I think they say it here in the movie. I think it's he said says once. something like, "If my name isn't," and then he yeah. says the whole thing. <laughs> so, so I'm I, I'm so excited. It's funny because I'm excited for you to give a vastly different answer than us. I'm gonna give him a four. <laughs> Wow. Right. I like it. You were like, I like this guy. Yeah. I remembered him very vividly from when I was little and and I just I really liked I liked to hate him. <laughs> mm, yeah, so, I see that. For me, my excitement again, I got super pumped when I saw Joanna. I feel like that's where my <laughs> excitement came, not necessarily at him, but I love that. So I do want to say that uh with no guest, he would have gotten nineteen. But with a guest, he gets a 20.3. I knew he was going to be high. I was like, oh, no, he's getting up there. Yeah, he's pretty. uh, So he is right under. My goodness. Danny, you propelled him. Really? Yeah. He is uh, right now 13th. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, he's very dark. I think it's because, like, what makes him a good villain is how much I was like, Go away. Pardon my language, but mm-hmm. f this guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this guy sucks, and he is he is a, he is below Lady Tremaine, but above she should, Lady Tremaine. We we, we did need a to, we need to do an episode that's in defense of Lady Tremaine. Yes, uh, <laughs> but uh, he is above the tide for fourteenth. Ka and the Queen of Hearts. Oh, he's in good company. Okay, yeah, there. I agree. I it's well, it's funny because if he had gotten. With, with no guest. With, with no guest. And again, this doesn't matter because we have a guest. With no guest, he would be tied with man from Bambi. See, I think he should be a little <laughs> bit higher than man. You think so? I he- think so. Because man, like, man burned down the forest, but man, like, didn't have much of a personality. I'll give McLeach that. He had a very strong personality, even if yeah. I didn't care for him. So I think he should be, like, the Queen of Hearts has a very intense personality, right? I think he's in good company there. How do you feel about it? I feel I feel good. I feel like that's pretty much where he should be. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Ryan? I think we're real close, but now we're getting to the point where this thing is so nitpicky like. Well, and <laughs> as we mentioned in Little Mermaid, we're going to start getting to those villains where we've got Star Scar and Jafar and yeah. Yeah. it's going to be the, real interesting. The top 10 is is making a is going to start It's going to be a huge shift soon, <laughs> yeah. Uh so final question, do we keep this in our uh, in our you know, our collection or do we throw it, we've put it in the vault and I think we know Danny's answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I say keep it. I'd watch it again. I think I would like, I, I, part of it is just, I, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for, for Australia. Part of it is I think I like, I, I think visually if you're studying these movies, this has to be on the docket. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's, it's, yeah. it's, beautifully done. You know, there's story things I don't necessarily like about it and characterizations that I think is a step back. But I definitely think visually, like, it's it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely put it on the shelf if only for Joanna. But there's more than Joanna. Yeah. But for me, like, that does enough for me because she's throughout mm-hmm. it. So, <laughs> Well, Danny, thank you once again for joining us. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, to watch this movie. Uh, as always, if you've got something you want to plug, whether it's a personal project, uh, some piece of media or something you've been enjoying, or just like a... Uh, sentiment you want to put out there in the world please feel free to plug away just be kind to each other <laughs> be excellent to each other <laughs> well cool um i think what is our next movie is it the ducktales the movie 
I think that's next, yeah. And then I think it's Beauty and the Beast. So I think those are the next two coming up. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh-huh.